1: It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Charlotte Robson, Norman Riley, Chris Shipman on the line with me to talk about Newcastle United's insipid 1-0 defeat at Burnley in Lancashire yesterday. And we're going to get straight into it, Charlotte. Have your eyes stopped bleeding yet?
2: No, unfortunately not. Um, 20 hours after I left you in Burnley and I've just arrived home. um, This wasn't the plan, but um, unfortunately... Being blinded by that performance made getting home very difficult.
1: If it was up to me, I would have travelled by transport. I wouldn't have walked, but fair play to
2: you.
1: It's <laughs> it a, it a good distance.
2: I felt like punishing myself for putting myself through it.
1: <laughs> why don't you tell us what? Why don't you tell us about your day at Burnley?
2: About well, my day. Okay. Well, my day started well. I went for a run, and then you and I drove over to Burnley from Newcastle, because I was up, and... Um, in good spirits, drove through Yorkshire Dale, very beautiful. And then we got to Burnley, and it immediately started hailing, which didn't feel like a good sign. <laughs> um, Team sheet came out. Um, Carol, a skipper, obviously interested by that. Didn't know what to expect. And then, yeah, I, I suppose the first ten minutes went went terrible, but it was probably one of the worst performances I've seen. Well, maybe the worst performance I've seen this season. And the day steadily got worse.
1: <laughs> and there was, uh, I mean, it, there's some stuff flying around on social media, so, so we may as well go into it a little bit. Your, your train, what, got cancelled? Yeah, got so,
2: no. Weeks. So I I was booked to go from Burnley-Manchester Road to Leeds, for well, your train enthusiast, then on the 17, 1945 to London. Um, but... It was running late, and then a man on the train, um, a Newcastle fan, I think, um, it transpired... Well, I saw a fight sort of starting, and it transpired that he had um, made a, he's a, a racist slur against an Asian man, and uh, understandably upset the Asian man. Um, and so um, a, lot, a lot of people... So credit to all of the people who did this. were like, you, you absolutely can't. You've really upset that person. You can't say things like that. It's disgusting, etc. But instead of being like, you're right, I shouldn't have, he got angry, which, you know, he probably could have predicted. So the police had to come on the train. and I think they took him away. He wasn't on the train after the following stop anyway. And, um, and I missed my connection. It, it, the, you know... You know, better that than a, a signal failure. Better better some um, some people stood up to erase this, but it was um a bit of a nightmare. So I had to go back from Leeds to Newcastle and then try again this morning.
1: Horrific stuff and I don't know how much power the, the club would have, but it would be good if the police could work with the club to ban that individual from any future games. Yeah, I Hungary. would completely agree with that. So that shit and a a terrible end for you and the other people on that train particularly the the victim to a pretty bad day and that's what we're going to get into Mm -hmm. in this podcast the bad day I mean the best the best part of yesterday for me was the drive there and the drive back (laughs) that was literally Mm -hmm. it and although you say that the hail um signaled a pretty bad day you know something as as natural and beautiful and powerful like weather was far more entertaining to me than the absolute horror show, the man-made horror show that was <laughs> served up on that football. Pitch sides. like, I'm absolutely disgusted by what I saw and I'm going to try and scale back a little bit because I was fairly hyperbolic last night. It was one of the worst, I think it's the worst game of football I've ever been to and like you guys on the line with me and like all of you listen, we've all been to some bad ones. We've all been to some bad games following this football club, particularly in the last 10 years and, and this is very close to the top for me so we may as well get into it. Chris... I come to you, mate. Um, the context of this, and, and you and Norman, I think, talked to this a little bit on your, your patron preview. Um, well, still this week now, but what th- Wednesday or Thursday when you did it about about the context of this game and how we had been picking up some very good results, and there was definitely some positives from those performances. But but we, you could argue in all three of those games last week we're, we could have been on the wrong side of a result. Fantastic that we weren't. Um, does this game redress it a little bit? Do you think that we are still a bit shit but we've been lucky? Um, I don't think we're
3: shit necessarily, but I do think that talk of any kind of assault on the top eight, uh, even in jest, has been happening over the last few days on social media, uh, is a little bit far-fetched. I think the reality of the situation is it'll probably a lower mid-table side with a lower mid-table to-be-kind uh, manager. Um, and I guess if you just look at yesterday's playing squad, so the only players that you'd probably say are seasoned Premier League players who, who are good enough to be candidates to start in a kind of upper-mid table, around eighth position, Premier League side, probably got to Bradka, share and Carroll, if he's fit. Uh, obviously, there's huge questions about that. Dummett's okay, but I think a few in the top ten touching with the Bardicom. Fernanda, as much as we saw with Diame a couple of years ago, um, playing out this skin at the top end of his ability, but he isn't quite at that level. And then you just had this kind of girth of players who, first of all, lack experience. So, Joe Linton, Sean Longstaff, atsu maybe uh, Willems, Mankio uh, and then Gale, Muto, Craft. You know, there's questions about them and their lack of quality for this level. Um, I won't judge Matthew Longstaff um, because I guess we haven't really seen enough of him. Um, great debut aside, um, hasn't really been around for too long. And there's probably, you'd have to the juries out on Yedler and Hayden, who are great in some games and less so in others. Uh, and I know on our WhatsApp group yesterday, Alex, you you picked out Hayden for particular criticism at one point. Um, And I guess the question is really whether we have meaningful strength in depth outside of those central defences. And then I just guess to address your question about being lucky. We're definitely lucky. We've definitely ridden our luck this season so far. So if you cast your mind back a few weeks to the Southampton game and, and the Bournemouth game, late misses for them, which on another day the kind of fine margins would, would probably have resulted in us not picking up the three points. Um I guess there is that added that luck evens itself out over the course of the season. Um and yeah, maybe yesterday was was luck evening itself out.
1: Norman, I, I know that you're you're keen to get into this one, so Chris referenced there, uh, you know a number of players who we could talk about at this level whether they're they're good enough or not. Um obviously I think I've I've counted eight players who you would have no issue starting in, in the first team yesterday who who weren't available um, and I mean Lee Charnley's talk this week I think it was Radio Newcastle he went on um, about how much strength and depth that we've got and how that's been borne out you know would you agree with them then and, and do, you th- do you think that we do have the strength and depth to cope with so many injuries or was yesterday proof that that's just not true?
4: I think it's how you perceive what strength and depth means. So, Lee Charlie may think of have strength and depth because he may think that we can afford to lose a few first-choice players, bring in um, the other players in the squad and still avoid relegation. Um, I know that, obviously. I, mean, I, I don't know what Lee Charnley or Mike Ashley or whoever have in mind when they the think of Newcastle United in the Premier League. But I'm assuming that, obviously, you know, survival um, is the, the key. And we've probably got the players in the squad to survive, even if we do get a few injuries. Um, and by survive, I mean kind of skin in their teeth. When I think of strength and depth what I like to think of is is life for life. So, yesterday, obviously, you know, we lose three of our most important players. Um, Shelby and Maximan, certainly this season, I mean, Shelby, obviously, you know, he's, he's growth going like, record. The season's absolutely phenomenal for I midfield, and he's a very talented player. As you know he's really coming to be doing this season, he's responding to the, to the armband, he's getting all the platitudes and rightly so. Um, he drops out with injury. Maximan who is a phenomenal player, um, we know that, and gives the same so so much as, a, as an outball as somebody you caused havoc and the yeah, opposition's defence and just his movement, and his pace and Army for all of the criticisms levelled at him about the fact that he hasn't scored and he's only had one assist so far, he's still an incredibly important player because of his movement, because of the way that he started to link up with um, with uh, Maximan and because of his pace and especially you know every time we break forward. To have Maximan and Aldi Ron run that year is going to be nerve-wracking for the opposition and it's going to pressurise them into mistakes. And we, we didn't have that yesterday. So so strength in depth, when you've got, you know, um, Christian Asu coming in for um Mann, you've got Joe Linton coming back for the run. Um, would Asu and Joe Linton, um, you know, playing a full season, get us enough results to keep us in the top line, given that 122 points now, probably. Um, you know, we'll probably get the 18 points that, that we need to be safe. But if we actually wanted to maintain any kind of challenge for the top 10, we need players coming in to replace the, the, those players like Max Manning, who, who are equally or almost as good. And unfortunately, the gap between Christian Aksu, let's say, who I love, for endeavour, I love him a new, as a player, he's been fantastic, you know. But in terms of the gap between, let's see, him and Max and ability, it's a huge gap. The, the gap between Joe Linton, and completely different, it's, a, it's another huge gap. So that's the problem, you know, strength and depth in terms of numbers, and players who are okay, But if there was big, big gaps between the good players and the not-good players that are concerning for me. And I think we saw that yesterday because, you know, let's let's look at it down to the most brutal fact. Burnley, that is the first time that they've stopped their opponents registering a shot on target in 207 Premier League games. Our entire history in the Premier League, that's the first time that the opposition hasn't had a shot on target against them. So that kind of tells me, in terms of strength of depth, exactly where we're at.
1: Yeah, I, it's hard to disagree with anything you've said there. The One slight positivity come from yesterday, if you can even call that, I think the whole social media debate of should we give Miguel Almiron a rest has, has now been blown out of the water. <laughs> because there are, yeah. the alternative, as much as Almiron has struggled to perform in front of goal this season, the alternatives aren't great at the minute. Um, and you're right about that that huge gap. And I, th- I think, and I get your thoughts on this, uh, guys, is... I thought I thought the manager let himself down a bit yesterday tactically. Um, you know, Burnley was actually the birth of the Rafa five three two last season. I mean, I'd, we'd played it previously under Rafa before then, but always against the likes of Man City and Chelsea. And we went and he played Yedlin and Ritchie, both unavailable to the manager yesterday. Really, really high up the pitch um, as wing-backs, and that meant long staff. Uh, well, it was last year, it was Kian D'Arma, who had a fantastic game and ran the show. Longstaff and Hayden in that kind of formation in the Rafa were far more defensively minded and the fullbacks played a far more attacking role with the front three you also have the likes of Florian Lejeune playing um, which is massive uh, where we didn't yesterday and as a result I was bitterly disappointed by the performance of our midfield too, in fact, so much so in fact I'd say that Burnley were 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 nearly just as bad as us but ultimately they did actually have one or two shots on goal where we didn't and you're not going to win many games of football if you don't have any shots on goal. Um, certainly <laughs> certainly in the for the vast majority of the game before Dwight Gale's big miss at the end. But I think yesterday, I think Cork and Westwood and Hendrick a little bit and McNeil were, 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 were far more influential in that game and on the ball. And I mean, some of the things they tried and some of the passes were shocking. But at least they tried. And, and I feel like Hayden and Longstaff yesterday, really let it down and it wasn't in terms of effort and it wasn't in terms of putting their foot in where it hurt or doing their best but there was a real lack of urgency on the ball and there was a real failure to grab the game by the scruff of the net make no mistake that game was there to be to be won you could tell at the start of the game the Burnley crowd were quiet they were nervous the Burnley players were nervous three defeats in a row 11 goals conceded and what concerns me is where is the manager setting us up to take that game by the scruff of the neck and think you know what get into these they're shitting themselves quiet nervous the players no confidence and instead would just seem to play into Burnley's hands we we'll played long balls up now Andy Carroll from the back which Carroll had a real off day yesterday nothing worked from uh, where it Clearly did. It's Sheffield United and did when he came on and effectively won the game without scoring against Southampton. And, you know, I would have been sitting in my midfield too there. We, we need you to get up in support of the front players, but we need you to carry the ball. We need you to play forward passes. We need you to unlock the Burnley defence, which is very rigid. And instead, particularly Isaac Hayden, whenever he got the ball, pass the ball back, give it to a centre-back, give it to a centre-back. Like, no, you're one of our two midfielders here. We need you to create something. And it's not just Isaac Hayden's fault, i long stuff. No one had a good game yesterday. I thought Mankio was okay actually But apart from that, no one had a good game But uh, you know, I just feel if you're going to play midfield in the Premier League And it's great when it when it looks good and it goes well And you can get your tackles in And you play against Man City at home And you, you're a crucial defensive barrier And it's great when you can pop the ball off to John Joe Who again has his flaws But like you correctly say, Norman has, has been in inspired form recently I just felt it was, very, it was very easy for Burnley yesterday Too easy for them almost We played everything in front of them We didn't really try to get behind them and we didn't try to do things. It was it was a bit of a weak performance and it was a bit of a, it's, it's easy to say in hindsight, but it was a, a bit of a performance that looked like safety and safe. You know, when we got a 10th and the pardue and then sold Kabine just sacked the rest of the season off. That's what it felt like a little bit. It's way too early to say that'll happen. But it felt like a team who thought maybe job done. We'll just go out there. We'll play for a nil nil and see what happens and that's disappointing because there was two and a half thousand Newcastle fans there Me mean charlotte were there lots of people watching around the world and following it and i don't know it just you can't you can never really accuse this team of not showing any effort because they do and they do try but there was there was too little going on upstairs you know for example paul dummett's playing ahead of florian lejeune at the minute in that left center back slot and florian lejeune's been out for a long time and paul dummett has been doing fine, you know, he hasn't been doing anything to suggest that he should be dropped particularly, I would always play your best team, but there was times yesterday where Burnley, very, very clearly, whenever Shara Fernandes had the ball near the halfway line, they would press them, and they would leave Paul Dunnett unmarked, so the ball would be recycled, even if we were near the edge of the Burnley penalty area, on the rare occasion we were, the ball would be recycled back to Hayden, and yes, there was probably very little movement going on ahead of him, or very few options, but he would go back to Shara Fernandez, who would go back to Paul Dummett, who would go back to the keeper. And then Burnley have got what they want, a long ball to contest. And that happened probably eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 times yesterday. It was frustrating watching from the stands. Like, where is the leadership? Some will say, lads, they, they, they want you to do this. They want you to go to Paul Dummett because he's going to go backwards or he's going to kick the ball out of play because he's so bad on the ball. It's not his game. Good defender, bad ball playing centre-back. That's not his game. And, you know, that's the frustrating thing for me is... When when the likes of Shelby plays or Matt Ritchie or, um, you know, ASM or Almiron, there's always something that can possibly, you know, scare the opposition or, or you know you never know what might happen next or a misplaced pass or some space yesterday was demoralising because just, you, I mean, from about half-time, Charlotte, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. You just kind of knew we weren't going to score. You knew we weren't going to score because we weren't good enough to score, we weren't good enough to create a chance, really, and... For a team that spent what we've spent this summer, albeit with injuries, and for a team that's won, well, keep saying one, three in the box, won two and drawn one. And, you know, since that, uh, Man United gave the form, I think the, I think we said last week in the podcast, only Leicester and Liverpool before yesterday picked up all points. It just seemed to be very, very flat, very mundane and, and very uninspiring. What, what did you make of it, Charlotte, as the game was progressing?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. It became really scrappy and really... Like you said, there's not much going on upstairs there. There just wasn't much. There didn't feel like there was enough communication. Um, it, your point about leadership is a good one. I didn't see much of that. I've watched the highlights, and you can see Dubravka sort of putting more into it than than Carol in terms of like look at what's going on. Um, but yeah, I do It was really uninspiring. They play such. They only play such like. T- so tightly onto all the players are just tumbling over each other. I know the pitch was very slippy yesterday because it had been such a horrible day, but it was just such a messy, horrible game. I don't think that Burnley deserved to win necessarily because, like, to be clear, they weren't very good either. But it, yeah, it didn't, it didn't feel like we were going to get any like a point at, at absolute best. But once they scored, it was just like I don't think we're coming back from this at all.
1: Yeah, it was a blow, Chris. Just back on the injuries for a minute. Do you? I think some fans would probably think, you know what? Any team in the Premier League is going to suffer with eight eight first team players out. Should, should should me and Charlotte there be be cutting the manager a bit of slack considering the extent of those injuries problems?
3: Um, I think injuries are a major factor, but they're not the only factor. Um, you know, Bruce and the late um, substitutions that you made uh and just general lack of leadership were an issue. But yeah, I think injury is a, a major and as Norman reference, losing, you know, three of our most creative players, two of whom are in very good form, ASM and Shelby and then Almiron, who even like in the squad on any day causes defensive uh problems. You know, that that's gonna impact any side and we're not in that kind of top four, five bracket where we have that number of creative players to compensate for that. Um I think the other two players that uh, are injured and, and were a big miss, not because technically they're the best, but because of leadership and in that kind of situation where you need the whole squad to be galvanized to uh, grab the game by the scruff of the neck. They were really missed. So, Lacelle, um, you know, we discussed on the preview, Norman made a very good point that he would think great up against Wood, but as well as being able to deal with his um, power, um, just kind of just amping the side up a bit. And then Richie, you know, almost a forgotten man, uh, at this point because he's been, been out for so long. Um, yeah, he, he would have been great, not from a technical standpoint, but just to kind of G people up. Um, yeah, so missing them is a kind of huge uh, issue. And then I, I guess other alternates that you'd usually kind of bring in uh, to compensate for players that are um, out of form or not playing so well, are like either injured themselves. Um, you know, Kieran Clark now, uh, key, uh, although he seemingly has been forgotten by Steve Bruce. Although or, or Rusty, And out-of-form and Shumon star and Gail, you know, are are definitely kind of two of those. Um, So, yeah, I think it is an issue, and worryingly for me, it's a return to where we were a few years ago um, pre-Rafa, where there were a lot of injuries, and something was happening um, there that, that caused that. We seem to have progressed to that. It's something that I know that Rafa paid particular attention to, and I don't want this to be a podcast where we hark back to some kind of glory days of Rafa, but he, he did resolve that, and something is not quite right. Um, maybe Steve Bruce might be learning the lesson. He did kind of seemingly kind of kick himself about the, the ASM layoff in the ninety-six minute or whatever it was the other day, and talk this week of not rushing back Shelby um, and Almiron. But he would really hope that a manager of his experience should actually already know that. You know, um, so yeah, not the only factor, but a big factor.
2: It also highlights, doesn't it, that that you know when we've got you we've had this sort of run of form and and it's been nice um when we have like a couple of injuries we we just don't have any options really that are that are viable mm-hmm. and against a team like burnley like that it kind of shows I know everybody already knows this but it, that we're kind of papering over cracks that the squad really needs a lot more um a lot more <laughs> players and investment i don't know everybody knows this
3: there was that story a couple of decades ago when uh, Man United played uh, Tottenham of uh, Alex Ferguson coming into the dressing room and saying, "Lads, it's Spurs," and that just being enough. I think in 2019, Burnley are one of those sides where it would it should just be, "Lads, it's Burnley." Um, yeah. Everyone should be good enough to deal with that.
1: Yeah, and uh, I get it, and I understand, and you're sympathetic about injuries, and particularly since a lot of those injuries, you know, the likes of, um, you know, uh, Richie, like you say. LaSalle's, that's that's nothing to do with the club that's two really poor challenges from opposition players which went unpunished mm-hmm. and that's just bad luck whether whoever the manager is you're going to get them but like you correctly say it seems like you know Almiron we saw a lot of other Premier League clubs rotate between those fixtures last week um, and we didn't I don't understand why we didn't but then three, three of the, the three best players really in the team from an attacking point of view uh, weren't fit and weren't available, and we've, we've paid the price. The caveat to that is, even when we seem to have had everyone fit, we're still ain't been great. So it's not like under Pardew, I think it was a little bit like, well, when like, Remy's back, we'll be fine, or when this player's back, we'll be fine. Really, turned out that way, but that was always the the preconception because we we'll had so many. Out. I mean, I may as well run through them now. It's it's Clark, Lascelles, Matt Richie, Yedden, yeah, so whole back four um, missing. Then Shelby Key. Uh, makes it six, and then who is was Almiron ASM. Yeah, that completes the eight. Norman, uh, once again, criticisms of Steve Bruce's subs yesterday. We saw Muto for the first time in a long time, and it it, it did feel a little bit like, right, just get all the forwards on, chasing a goal. He also took off Willems and Atsu in that pursuit, two players who you'd think would be capable of providing some service to the strikers. Your thoughts on, on on, on this kind of tactical debate about him we have praised him in recent weeks for some slight tactical tweaks that have worked uh also keeping get your thoughts on Joe Linton on the left as well yesterday so so what kind of game did see Bruce have for you
4: the substitutions were um were poor there's no two ways about it and um, you mentioned Williams has going off because of they you know the two players would potentially player, create something for for pretty much a direct forward um' thus, having quite a lot of boards on the pitch, but literally nobody to provide any kind of bullets for them. Um, personally, what I, would, what I would have liked to have seen was the moment the moment that was scored that goal, I would have liked to have seen Dumbest hoops in the game put on because, obviously, at that point, we 1-0 down, we need to create something going forward. And without Shelby on the side, we've got nobody who can do any kind of probing from, from deep on the pitch. Sorry, Lejeune would have done that. And also, it would have given him half an hour on the pitch. Um that that was my first kind of thought. Um, and you know, bringing on for ten minutes, like well, literally, what's the point? This is a player, who right really well. plays
1: on the right. Yeah, on the
4: right. I mean, yeah, barely plays. In fact, if you you know, if you're going to bring on a centre forward who really plays for ten minutes, then bring them on as a centre forward for that ten minutes. Um, because you know there might be a bobble in the box. The, the, the rule is just to try and get on the end of something if something transpires, and um, but actually get that player who's really rusty with a centre forward to try and create things from the right, I, I can't see the logic in it. Um, you know, the, I suppose the only logic I can't see is, is pace. Mugler has a lot of pace. Um, but then again, so is Christine Assu. And, and Christian Assu is a, you know, he's a kind of, he really is an out and winger to a, to a certain extent, I would say. So I am massively disappointed. And I think, um, you know, as I say, uh, you could even argue, despite the fact that Matthew I thought was probably one of the better performers, as you say, Sort of 25 minutes to go. It may, may well have been worth bringing Yevon on as well. So I think I would have liked to see him probably you know just just for his, his pace and getting him behind their full-backs because you know you look at their fullbacks, um, Bods and Peters. There is zero pace there, and without Maximan and, and Ron, that's you know th- that's what we needed. We needed pace on the pitch, and Yevon I think may have offered that was sort of 25 minutes to go. Um, whereas Muto, yes, he's got pace, but he's a centre forward, not a winger, and um, so I get disappointed with that. Um, and I don't know, man. as fast as this might sound, even if you're gonna leave Dumbled on the pitch, I think that I think it might be an argument for actually putting Lejeune on, um, taking off Hayden who was on an absolute nightmare and shifting Shane with defensive midfield position. Now, I know i have seen Share play defensive midfield before I think it was against Forrest last season and he was awful, but that was early on these kind of Newcastle career, and I think given how utterly lack of and lacking creativity we were yesterday, you know, it was it was it was something worth risking. Like just bring on Lejeune, possibly push you up in the middle and, you know, um, bring on Jettin, but that didn't happen. And and we made substitutions were made, and they literally made absolutely zero difference. Um, In fact, if anything, Burnley found it a lot easier to to cope with after that, I think.
1: Yeah, Charlotte, when we were at the game, it was a boisterous away end at the start. It was really kind of positive. People, you know, last away game before Christmas, people had had Mm -hmm. lots to to drink. Um, I think there's a real... Chance missed there for the manager. And I'm sure, you know, he he's as angry as we are about all of this. Had a bit of a go at the ref after the game, which I thought was a bit unnecessary. Don't get me wrong, the ref was absolutely shocking, but he was terrible for, for both teams, in my opinion. Um you know, at the start of the game when he walked across the pitch, he got a really good ovation for the first time this season. He did a little wave. In, but instead of like a big wave, he did the kind of wave that you would give <laughs> to a car when you're crossing the road and the car stopped to let you pass <laughs> and you stick your hand out. It was like, all right, cheers, lads.
0: Excuse um, me.
1: Yeah. But, um, you know, do you like, where where do you think we are, Charlotte? Do you think that, do you think it's going to be a season like this? We've talked about it before on this podcast. Is it going to be, we'll win some weeks and we we'll won't play great and then we'll play really badly and lose and we're just going to have to get used to it? Or do you think that there's a, there's a progression there when we get all the the real lads back um and and improve like how how did yesterday influence your thinking on how the season's going to go
2: um i'm going to try and not be super negative that's my goal now um but i did sort of feel like it it's par for the course we do well we do terribly we do well for a bit we do terribly we do okay then we do really badly and I guess in terms of the season as a whole and yesterday's performance and results I think I think that that it um, I think God I'm trying to be positive we'll be I think we'll be okay I know a lot of people still think that we will be you know above or in that Relegation zone for the rest of the season. I think we'll be okay, but um, it just highlighted how much we need those key players. John Joe Shelby on his coat or on his on his previous current form. I guess that's the right way to say it. Um, ASM Armeron. Um, I'd like to say if we could look at it, look at January transfer, but I know that that's sort of the pipe dream that that we could only improve on, on sort of their performances and bring in somebody to support that. But um, oh, it's really hard because I want to be really positive. But yesterday was so bad <laughs> that, I, that, I, that I can't be. Um, I think I think our season's just going to be like this. I think it's going to be a couple of okay or good games and then a really dire performance because that's where well, well, we were at Christmas and that's how it's been. I don't think it's going to change.
1: Chris, Chris, do you think that it's still all about just staying up? We've got a seven-point cushion to the relegation zone at the minute. Great to see Aston Villa down there. Um, Southampton <laughs> as well. Good result for Norwich yesterday. But uh, do, do you still think that whatever happens this season, we can talk about contacts and top tens, and you mentioned you know, assaults on the top eight earlier has been a bit far-fetched. Do you think that whatever happens this year, it's still fundamentally about staying up, or do you think that's... We we as the fan base should expect more from this this squad and this manager.
3: I mean, I think we should be expecting more from not just the manager, not just the players, but the club. Um, I don't think it should all be about staying up. I know in the summer that, that was the uh, you know, the focus drastically shifted towards that position, understandably uh, given the absolute nightmare of a summer that we had. But staying up should ever only be the first staging post on uh, on a more progressive. 've um, up the league. Um, I, I don't see any reason why we can't get between kind of ninth and twelfth, thirteenth. That you know that should be possible. We have good players. The investment over the summer. Some of it placed well. Some of it maybe not so at this point. But a lot of money was spent. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it's too much to ask that we we hope and want more than just you know just squeaking through and, and being in the league the next year.
1: I totally agree with that. I think that's if you're going to spend the kind of money we spent in the summer, which was, which is good, and we should be spending more of that money this January, uh, particularly I think there was money left over, plus there's a lovely old 30 million quid from a certain Spanish forward, who, by the way, we missed massively yesterday because we, it was pretty clear that we just had no one to... You know, I was talking about the midfield earlier. Perez was basically that link uh, last season between Hayden and Longstaff particularly, and then uh, Rondon and... Um, on we when we were at our best. But, Norman, I think I'm going to leave the last word uh, to you on this one. Uh, last <laughs> Yesterday's game, at about half-time, I realised the game it reminded me most of was probably the game in the same stadium against the same opponent two years ago in the Rafa when We lost 1-0 as well, to a, I think, to a set-piece goal, but certainly to a cross. Um, we'll play Palace next week, mate, um, which, again, in terms of fixtures, since we've gained promotion again, the Premier League have been dire. We'll then have Man United um, away, Everton at home, and a uh, resurgent Everton at home, by the way. They're currently winning Little Trafford um, and Leicester at home, which looks like a really hard game. Looking at those four fixtures, mate, just can you give us a little bit of a prediction of what, what you think will happen and what would be an acceptable return from those games? <laughs>
4: This Newcastle side very, very difficult because we, you know, we mentioned before um, what kind of side we are and, and I think, I think I said a couple of months ago that, 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 that this is what it's going to be like in Newcastle. I think we're going to pick up points in the matches that we really just do not expect to get anything from and we're going to like, blow out with absolutely zero effort against sides that we, we think we've got a chance against. Are you? Uh, yesterday, you know, we, we look at it. Look at the games prior to that. Sheffield United Way, did I expect to get anything from that? No, I didn't. Man City at home, didn't expect to get a thing from that as well. Southampton at home, you'd like to think we'd get the, the three points. But we're picking up points, as I say, um, unexpectedly. So those four games, you know, we're the kind of side who we could blow it against now. We'll blow it against Palace at home and then get something against, uh, get something against Leicester and Evan. And that, that, that's exactly what I like. Um, really tough games on paper, yes. Palace on paper, should we beat them at home? Yes, we should because they're not a very good side. Um, you know, Hodgson sets them up as a wayside in every, in every single game they play, so they can't be dangerous. But it's the kind of game that obviously we should be looking to win. Um, Everton at home, as you say, they're resurgent. By that point, they would have had, what, another two fixtures? So maybe that kind of initial buzz of not having silver anymore and Ferguson made it. Damond, never a slightly Hopefully, he will go four games unbeaten before the players will be doing defeat and will get it. It's a bit like Sheffield United um, and obviously, um, Manuel again. You don't know how we're going to perform. You don't know how they're going to perform. Look what the feet they've been great lately. And all of a sudden that you know that going on goals at home against um, against Everton. So it's it's just really tough to see in it. It's a bit, it's kind of a bit like um, a bit like it was on certain occasions under Pardew. You you, just, you almost think out of these four games we could come out of them with one point, and we could come out with seven. I look at the games and I think Palace. that should be three points normally. Everton at home, that should be just a point. Let's say four points. Leicester uh, at home, oh, I mean, that could go anywhere. But let's say four, four or five points would actually be all right. Um, but given the inconsistencies on in the side, we're capable of getting one point, we capable of getting seven. So the answer is I haven't got a fucking clue, mate. There you
1: go. <laughs> well, one thing is for mm-hmm. sure we're going to have to check to get anything like that high haul of points. We're going to have to do something which we haven't done this season. That's win a game without, say, Maxima in the side uh which mm. which which looks uh looks a long way off at the minute and yeah i mean there's there's no point getting too down I, I certainly wasn't happy when i was driving home yesterday i'm sure charlotte you weren't happy when you were getting home this morning from the same game no um but yeah <laughs> you know, like you we are we will play badly again this season we will lose games again this season i suppose it's a, it's as much about the response to that and We'll we we'll have a full Crystal Palace preview this week uh, for, for patrons, um, amongst plenty of other shows. But, you know, there's lots of tickets available, by the way, for for Crystal Palace this weekend. So if you didn't get your free half-season ticket and you want to watch some football, uh, there's probably about 6, 7, 8, 10,000 tickets left for this one. Um, you know, it's important... Why wouldn't you want to
2: after after <laughs> yesterday?
1: Yeah, it's it's an important time of year for Steve Bruce's Christmas fixtures. We've got three home games in the next four. We need to play well. We need to pick up some points. And he needs to get some of those people who are not... I mean, I mean, the free ticket thing just totally skews everything because you've got up to 10,000 people who've given it up and they're now going to be replaced, um, in theory, anyway, because I think all of those half free half-season tickets went. But he really needs to... to to get this back on track because one becomes two, three becomes four in terms of games not winning. You get into January and you get into the new year and, and, and it can start to look very bleak. And as, as well, the table can look very different with so many games in such a short space of time. That yeah. seven-point lead evaporates and the pressure's on. And then you do have players coming back from injury that like you need, but they're coming into a team that's desperate. And hopefully none of this will happen. Hopefully we'll we'll beat Crystal Palace. We can still play rubbish again. It's fine. But we'll, we'll prove it and be rubbish and win. Um, yeah. next Saturday and then you know we'll head to Manchester United who are not unbeatable this season uh, as we proved when we played them in our place um, so all to play for, I think that's, that's everything for today though I really appreciate you three joining me and thanks to everybody for listening uh, to the True Faith Podcast we will be back I think next Sunday, I'm going to try and get it done next Sunday um, for the debrief of the Crystal Palace game, like I said earlier you can catch a lot more from us four and the other True Faith podcast is on our Patreon page where a few hundred people pay about seven quid a month for five to seven shows per week on newcastle united uh you know lots going on this week lots to talk about so join us there and thanks for listening be back speaking you very soon cheers for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early
3: so everyone can go home on time there's granger